Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast presented by Ingalls, the official supermarket of Gramlick and McLean. It is just me for our intro and outro today, but Mac is with us, of course, for our interview. We're talking NC State Wolfpack, the pack are under review. So very excited to get to that. And, you know, we planned on recording this today. We actually had our big uh, day where we went to Ingalls in Clemson and did a bunch of shopping and then gave all that food to the Paw Pantry, which was really fun to shop with these gift cards and then just put all this food in all these carts. And so that was very busy this morning. Shout out Ingalls. And then Mac was going to help record some of this, but you know what? He had a tea time. And sometimes tea times are just more important. And I completely understand as I am married to someone who's addicted to golf. So I get it. It's all good, Eric McLean. I got you. And just want to say shout out again to Ingalls, the way they helped us with our Christmas giving initiative. I mean, we just cannot thank them enough. And how much their impact is going to be in the community is it's just hard to quantify. So let's get to a message from Ingalls. And then we're going to get to our guest, Corey Smith, the editor of Pack Pride at our Corey Smith on Twitter. Very in the know with everything and anything NC State. So let's get to a message from Ingalls and then we will review the 2023 NC State season with Corey Smith. At Ingalls, we know your closest companions are the ones who are always there for you. The ones you trust to have your back no matter what. Who make the hard times a little softer and the good ones somehow a little better. That's what family is all about, whether they walk on two legs or four. Ingalls, all the ingredients for family. All right, guys, Corey Smith, we're going to the pack. I have been really excited about this, man, because KG and I have been texting back and forth. Every time someone's in the portal going to NC State, we're just like, my gosh, This team is building quickly, Uh, but we've got to look in the rearview mirror for a second and and talk about this team and uh, everything they've been able to accomplish, everything they did this season, which was remarkable. Uh, So appreciate you joining us, man. Appreciate you being here. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on. It's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun episode. And and again, when you look at this team, we kind of want to break it down into like three seasons in one (laughs) season, because that's really how it felt to me. But even before that, uh, Coach Doran kind of sent, you know, shockwaves through the ACC with bringing in Coach and I, bringing in Coach 2J. And, uh, you know, I remember when that happened, I was like, this might be one of the more difficult teams in the country to prepare for. Because you got Coach Gibson and that crazy-ass defense and the things that he wants to do. And now you have this guy and Coach and I coming in that we don't even know what to call it. Mm-hmm. The, the the formations, the multiple uh, looks, the, the 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 motions, the all these changes. Alignment. I mean, they've, at Virginia, they had six quarterbacks on the field at one time. And so now you add that to it, uh, and we've had a full year. What did you think about that hire? What did you think about Coach Anai coming in and, and doing his thing this first year? Yeah, the biggest thing with Anai was the fact that you wanted to see more playmakers in the system. That was the biggest concern was, you know, who were going to be the guys that were going to step up. And, you know, going into the season, it was kind of like, all right, well, Brennan Armstrong is the expect- expected guy. Uh, you've got KC that we heard so much about. You didn't know exactly what he was going to look like out there on the field. And then 
you know, the expectations were guys like Trent Penix and uh, obviously, you know, at the, the beginning of the year, Jordan Houston, uh, you were hoping to see him step up in, in a bigger role. Uh, he didn't really do that. Ended up entering the transfer portal uh, early on in the season before I think he even got to five games. Uh, and then, you know, there was hope that Michael Allen would step up in that role. He enters the transfer portal at the end of the season because he's not getting the role that he he is expecting. So, you know, it was kind of a, a mixed match all season long in terms of this offense. The hope was like, all right, there's going to be guys that are going to step up. Terrell Timmons didn't step up really this past season. So what they ended up doing, you know, midway through the season is going, all right, we're just going to put the ball in Brennan Armstrong's hands. We're going to put the ball in, at the time, MJ Morris's hands and try to get it to KC, try to get it to Trent Penix, try to get it to these playmakers that can change this offense. And it ended up being Kevin Concepcion that stepped up in the biggest role for them. But yeah, you know, I liked what I saw from Robert and I's offense this past season. Uh, but man, I, you know, I know we're going to talk about 2024 later on down the road, but like you, you look at, at what this offense could become, especially with some of the guys they're bringing in and knowing what roles they're going to fit. Uh, it's, it's really exciting for what the future looks like too. So Corey, let's talk about this season in, I, in my opinion, I see it in kind of three different parts. Okay. You have the beginning, the first four games where you squeak by Virginia, kind of squeak by UConn, have the Notre Dame game this offense figuring itself out a little bit and then transition to MJ Morris after the NC state game, MJ Morris plays pretty well, lose to Duke, but beat Clemson. And then MJ Morris says, peace, I'm out, I'm done. Then you go back to Brennan Armstrong and win a bunch of games until the bowl game. Is that a fair way to break it up? And is this one of the weirdest NC state seasons that you've covered? Yes. Uh, and that that includes the pre the previous year in which NC State needed four quarterbacks to win eight games. <laughs> uh, so, yes, it's it's been all over the map the last two years. And, uh, you know, I don't know how exactly to sum it up, because, yes, you could break it up into three different seasons. You could also break it up into two half seasons. And despite the fact that, you know, you, you do have the, you know, the saga with MJ Morris, everything that happened there and you know, Brendan Armstrong being sent to the bench and coming back and winning the last three games, like becoming kind of a folk hero for NC State at that point. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess that the three seasons would make the most sense because of the fact that, you know, they were able to to find a way to win three games uh, during MJ Morris's time at, at quarterback. He really never got going, though. So it wasn't necessarily that, you know, the offense just got exponentially better. It was more of like, all right, we know what we have in KC. Let's utilize the living hell out of him. Uh, and then the defense is going to have our backs and they're going to win games for us. And that's essentially what they did in the second half of the season. And especially those last three games, because when Brendan Armstrong came back over those last three games and even the fourth game against Kansas State, despite the fact they lose that one, their, their whole plan was, all right, we're going to possess the football for 40 minutes. We're going to try to keep it in, in our guys' hands for you know over two-thirds of, of the game. And they did that to perfection over the last three games, and that ended up leading to them being able to win nine games. So yeah, it's you know it can be broken up broken up in a, in a number of different ways, uh, but this was just a, a chaotic season for NC State and one that somehow or another ended up leading to another nine win campaign. Yeah, it, it was it was very impressive, man. I think when you just look at you know the job that Coach Dorn was able to do, and uh, you know really rally and find a way. For these guys, and 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 you know, there, there was some adversity, some real adversity, and and when you have guys leaving the team, and and all these different things, 
you've got a decision to make. What, what do we want to do? So really, I, I kind of want to dive into more with Brennan Armstrong because we had the privilege to talk to him before the the game there against Kansas State and you know kind of hear his mental side and and he was very you know upfront was very raw about it and and maybe just more so that that you guys saw from your position how, how did he how was he able to do that i mean how was he able to go from getting benched to hey bud we need you back we need you in this game uh and we need you to go and win us some football games and he delivered yeah i mean the biggest thing with Vernon Armstrong and you know Aiden White that is now, since entered the transfer portal, just a weird way of college football now at this point. But he was asked about it right before Brennan Armstrong took the field and became the starter again before those three game stretch, I think, against Wake Forest. He was asked about how, you know, Brennan Armstrong dealt with the situation. It's become kind of a calling card that he called him a grown ass man. And that was the way that he dealt with it. Uh, and that was exactly the way that he played over the last three games. Uh, you know, the, the thing that, that he said after the Wake Forest game that I still take with me at this point was he was asked about, you know, what did you do in terms of you know, your mental standpoint? How have things changed? And he said, he even admitted at that point after those first, I think it was what, five games the first, that, that he started the first five games. And he even said, like, admittedly, I needed to get my head straight. It needed, I needed to take a step back and get things in order for me to be able to have the success that they had against Wake Forest and then eventually have the next two games. And he credited, you know, Dave Doran and Robert and I for taking him out and saying, I wasn't going to take my own feet out of the fire. Like, I wasn't going to take myself out. Uh, but them doing that to me and, and forcing me to take a step back and look at the situation, whether or not he returned to the field or not, helped him grow as a player. And that's what he was able to do those last two games before he took over. You think you look back to the Clemson and Miami games the way that he was put out there to run the football, mm -hmm. he was extremely productive there. Even, you know, asked to be basically a tailback at that point uh, and run the Wildcat. And he did those things to perfection. So he did anything and everything he could to help the team win. And I think once he returned, it just became kind of a rallying cry for the rest of the team to to want to back him up as well. Yeah, it did. And I felt like his fortitude and, and his attitude was reflected in the rest of the team. And of course, with Peyton Wilson, too. And we're, we're, we'll get to Peyton Wilson and his legacy. But sticking with the quarterbacks, I... Corey, you have been so ingrained in what's been going on with NC State. MJ Morris last year plays a good bit in the four quarterback carousel, has an injury, and then they bring in Brennan and he doesn't transfer, but maybe there was some talk at least, maybe some people tweeting, whatever. And then he plays the four games and then he's like, I'm out, I'm redshirting. What went down there? Like, was, was MJ Morris unhappy? ever since they brought Brennan in? Was there any signs that this could happen? I don't know that it was necessarily unhappiness that they brought him in. It was more so, you know, teams from, from outside, well, I say teams, but NIL collectives from outside of NC State saying, you know, coming to him and saying, hey, uh, we'd love for you to enter the transfer portal, come compete for the starting job, something you're not getting the opportunity to do at NC State. And basically putting that in his mind, that like you're not going to be able to compete for the starting job this year. You're not going to be the guy come be that guy for, you know, an SEC team. I'll just put that out there. Let's not say exactly who it was, but obviously, you know, when it came down to making that decision, a big part of it, when Dave Doran came to both MJ and his family was saying, if you're going to stick around, just know that you still have the redshirt option available. You, you didn't redshirt last year. You played in five games. You know, the, we, our expectation was for you to play the entire rest of the season. But he had an injury, and I think a lot of people kind of 
retroactively go, well, NC State forced him to play in five games last season. That burned his red shirt and that you know, screwed everything up. Well, that was never the plan. When he took over, the hope was, hey, you're going to be our guy the rest of the season. We lost Devin Leary. You're our backup, essentially. And that was that was the plan moving forward. And then he got injured in the Boston College game, wasn't able to return the rest of the season. So it hurt a little bit there in terms of his eligibility. But the hope was always to have him be the guy moving forward after the season and taking over those reins and competing for the starting job this upcoming offseason with you know some other younger guys. But now, you know, the fact that he ends up stepping away from the team after those four games made that decision. You know, I'll, I'll just say this. I think his family and MJ both thought that there was a chance that if he did that, that the team would still be okay with it, that the coaching staff would still be okay with it. And, you know, just the way that football and team sports work, like it was just, there was never a scenario where that was going to technically happen. You can't just step away from a team with three games left and a bowl game as well. And he could have technically played in the bowl game even uh, because of the way these rules work. Uh, And it just, it's not going to, work in your favor so I think once that happened NC State had to kind of start looking at all right what's the future look like for us we need to look in the transfer portal for a quarterback for next year they get that in Grayson McCall and I think that helps them significantly too no I don't think there's any doubt about that and you know I I think there's there's a couple of different ways to look at this situation and and how it happened what happened and and you got to go all the way back to bringing in Brennan Armstrong and when when everyone thought and everyone was excited about MJ Morris being the guy after what we saw in that kind of small sample size a year ago, they bring him in and I'm like, uh, this is weird. You know, don't you have your guy? Don't you have the future? You know, okay, uh, okay, you're having him come in and he's going to help teach the offense. He's going to help learn and you know the complexities of an eye. Um, and then when when you force him into action because that experiment didn't work. You're kind of—I I don't know. Again, the the situation or the timing of, hey, hey, you're going to redshirt, or if he said, hey, I'm going to redshirt. I, I don't know, you know, when that happened during the season, uh, leading up to the season. Excuse me. And when when that doesn't work, and now you're telling him, hey, you got to play. You have to be our guy because the team. It, it's just it, it's so much different for these young men now because there's there's so much of a. No, I got to worry about me. I have to worry about my business, and especially at the quarterback situation, which. To be quite frank, I had no problem with because, hey, you brought in your guy. It didn't work. Now you need me, and I'm going to take care of myself. But what I had an issue with was when, you know, they, whoever went on TV or radio, whatever it was, and said, oh, this doesn't necessarily mean we're leaving. This, no, man, it's it's over with. It's done. Like, you you are leaving. You know, there's no point to, you know, muddy the water or be strange about it. It's a business decision. Go handle business is what it is. That was the only issue that I had a problem with. At the end of the day, it is what it is, and and you have to take care of yourself. And and both parties did that at a time. So you know, I, I don't have any quarrel there with it. You just wish it would have worked out maybe a little bit differently because I do think MJ's a fantastic player. Um, I was gonna say one thing I'll add to that too is the fact that you mentioned the fact that when they brought in Brennan Armstrong, yes, that was the plan. The plan all along was, hey, we're bringing in a new offensive coordinator. There's nobody that knows this system better than Brennan Armstrong. He worked with Robert and I for several years. Obviously, worked with Jason Beck prior to that. So he knows the way that they're running the system. But the the hope was always for a guy like MJ Morris to sit behind him, learn. And everything that we heard out of spring camp was, you know, initially he was struggling with the offense. So it looked like a great move at the time. Uh, fall camp, he emerged a little bit more. But the from the sounds of it, the issue that I think MJ Morris and his family kind of took with it, and obviously 
his family being a, a pretty critical part in all this, as we've come to find out. You mentioned you know, somebody out in the media that was his dad that that mentioned something right. about it. Uh, but their their whole plan all along was for for this to be a learning year. And then when they threw him in, the issue that they took with it was the fact that he wasn't being given reps with the number ones. He he hadn't been given reps with the ones throughout fall camp, hadn't been given reps with the ones throughout the season. And for obvious reasons, you want those reps to go to your starting quarterback. And right. so when he was thrown in, there was a lot of new pieces that he wasn't used to, a lot of new things that he wasn't used to with those particular guys. I think that was the issue they took with all of it. But in hindsight, you know, this was a, a move that I think works out for both sides. You know, MJ Morris gets another opportunity out of Maryland for NC State. Again, Grayson McCall coming in for, you know, more than just a one-year bridge. He comes in as a guy that can lead this team to being, you know, extremely successful next year and allow other younger guys that are coming into this system a chance to prepare too. Right, which I think people are, you know, excited about and the things that he can do. And we'll, we'll touch on that even more here in a second with some additional guys that are in the portal that I'm excited about and I think are, are really going to be big-time impact players of course, it's easy to sit here and say that in January. We'll see when spring ball and, and things like that start to happen. Uh, but one guy that, man, just left such a great mark, and I will never forget when this network started, and, and we're talking with Coach Dave Doran, and you know he, he we're at practice or, or talking, and he goes, see that number 11 right there? He's going to be a heck of a player. And uh, you know we're like, who the heck is that? You know who, Who's this guy? Oh, a young freshman? Like, come on. Come on, Coach. And then now seeing him go through everything that he went through, the, the hard times, the great times, uh, the, the true evolution of becoming a man, you know, at NC State w- was so fun to see from Peyton Wilson. How about from your perspective, Corey? Can, can you just kind of take us? You know, we don't have to go through five years or four years worth of stuff here, um, but just who he was when he got there versus the man he is, the leader, the, you know, one of the greatest players, I think, in NC State history when it's all said and done. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about Peyton Wilson when he came in NC State, he was just supremely talented. And that was that was known, you know, everything that he did at Orange High School. The only question he had coming in was the competition that he faced. Uh, That was that was really it. I mean, he was a guy that, you know, I believe if I remember correctly, I think his his injury that he had at the end of his senior year of high school at Orange was actually on special teams. So that that goes to show you, you know, how big of a team player he was that even even being a four star athlete, a top 50 overall player, you know, top five linebacker in his class. He was still going out there and playing on special teams for that team as well. Uh, and, you know, when he came in, there was some immaturity. You know, there was some, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna go in. I'm going to be the guy. It doesn't really matter. He ended up having an injury uh, in the 2019 season, and that led to Drake Thomas actually having a breakout season, being the guy that was able to start as opposed to Peyton Wilson. And then you saw it in 2020, like the the breakout season for him, but there was a lot of things that he still needed to work on, particularly missing tackles. He overpursued a lot. There was a lot of things that needed to be cleaned up for him. And the hope was in 2021, all right, this is going to be, you know, his season. He does that. He does all those things. And then, you know, has the injury at the end of the 2020 season. So that made some questions after 2021. All right, he's going to come back. And, and, you know, actually the 2021 season was when he had the, the, the severe injury and missed the entire season. 2022 was when he had another great season, actually broke some career highs for him. And then this past year, it just all came. I mean, it was all uh, (laughs) everything you could have asked for in a final season for him, not only being healthy, which was never guaranteed, but also, you know, racking up the, you know, the tackles that he had. And, and 
a big part of that was the fact that it wasn't just, you know, that he just had a ton of tackles. It was he made game-changing plays. He he finished with the most tackles for losses ever had, had the most sacks he's ever had, uh, and then also emerged as an elite uh, coverage guy, too. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I believe he had the best, if I remember correctly, according to Pro Football Focus, this is, you know, it's been over a month since I've looked at some of these stats, but, you know, the 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 stats that he had for the, the season was like over a 90 uh, grade for coverage. And it wasn't like he just was asked to do it a couple times on running backs or, or linebackers. Like he was taking on some slot receivers, too, and, and doing great things, uh, led the team in interceptions with three and uh, ended up having one that was returned for a touchdown against Clemson. I'm sorry, guys. But all of those things that that he did this season leading to, you know, the Benaric Award, leading to the Butkus Award, uh, All-ACC first team again, consensus All-American, All-ACC or, you know, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. And the thing that you take away from, from what he was able to do and the legacy that he leaves at NC State is not just the way that he did it on the field, but the way he did it off the field, too. because the leadership standpoint, he didn't embrace that when he first came in NC State. Like he didn't want to be the guy that was looked at as the leader. And and even to the point where he was asked before the season, do you want to wear the number one jersey, which ultimately Davin Van ended up wearing, and he said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be looked at as that guy. I just want to be that guy. I want to go out there and lead the team and do the right things. And there was a lot of plays this year that that he ended up kind of cleaning up for some other guys, they're going to have to look at tape and go, all right, we don't have that guy anymore. So it's going to be a big learning curve for this defense next year, especially the linebackers. But the things that Peyton Wilson did at NC State and the way that he changed his program, especially for what Tony Gibson's defense has become and what it can continue to be now because of other people seeing what he's become, uh, is just immeasurable for, for this team. Well said, Corey. Well said. Uh, I want to ask about 2024, but I just want a, a yes or no answer from you. They're retiring Peyton Wilson's jersey, right? I mean, they have to, right? Like, Not to. I'm going to say yes. Okay, have I'm going to say yes. Uh, you know, they they haven't done it for a couple of guys. Uh, there's, you know, Bradley Chubb, Mario Williams. When you wear the number nine, they have the patch now. Uh, Savion Jackson wore it the last two years, so I would expect to at least see that. The only number that's retired at NC State uh, that you cannot wear anymore is Philip Rivers, number seventeen. Uh, but there's a lot of names. I expect him to at least be in the Ring of Honor. Uh, at least have one of those patches if guys ever wear the number eleven again. But I mean, there was there was a lot of talk about statues this past off this past season. That's how good of a you know a big of a legacy that he's left at NC State. We'll we'll see. Stay tuned for that one. I, I think you definitely retire the jersey statue. Who knows? Who knows? Um, let's look at twenty twenty four, Corey, because you mentioned, of course, Peyton Wilson moving on. No more Peyton Wilson, which he's been such a fixture for NC State. But NC State has done really well in the portal and had a really good signing day, too. But when you think of Grayson McCall coming over from Coastal, Jordan Waters coming over from Duke, that was a splashy get that really surprised me and I think should excite NC State fans. So, And, of course, you bring back KC Concepcion, who we haven't even mentioned yet, which is crazy because he was the best player on the field um, for most of the year for NC State. So what does 2024 look like with these new faces pairing with some of the old, like Concepcion? I'd love to know right now. We'll, <laughs> you we'll got to tell us, Corey. You got to tell us. <laughs> I know. I know. You tell but, us. <laughs> the, one word, the one word that comes to mind for me over and over again every time I look up and down, especially the transfers that are coming in, but also I'll, I'll talk about the, the you know the, the commitments that they have to the signees as well in just a second. But it's just explosive. I mean, there's there's no way it can't be because 
the biggest issue they had this past season was having guys that were reliable. And, you know, it led to Casey having to be the guy getting double teamed and finding ways to, to still uh, be able to beat defenses. But I mean, you know, the big one, obviously this past week, Noah Rogers for NC state, a kid from the Rollsville area, they were this close to getting him in the initial cycle. Uh, it probably doesn't sound like that big of a deal from the outside, a guy that didn't play at Ohio state, but like he entered the transfer portal without playing a single, you know, or making a single catch for Ohio state this past season and still was the number eight receiver uh, in the portal, according to 24 seven sports. Like that's how big of an impact he can have. Uh, Jordan waters, as you mentioned, just a, a hard nosed running back, a guy that I think can come in and lead the way for some of these younger, other younger guys, you know, with, with multiple uh, guys entering the transfer portal this past season, uh, it's led to, you know, some really young backs some some good uh, running backs for NC state, Kendrick Raphael. They have a guy in Jaden Scott coming in this upcoming uh, season that they feel really good about, but you bring in a guy like Jordan waters and he just becomes that leader. He also becomes that guy that can, that can be an every down back. And that's something that NC state really hasn't had. So I'll be interested to see how they utilize him because they have kind of used a platoon over the years for Doran. So uh, I think he becomes a little bit more of a bell cow guy for them. That they haven't had, uh, but you know, some of the other guys, too, that everybody keeps looking at Grayson McCall. I think he has a chance to be extremely, extremely good for NC State this upcoming season. But a major reason for that, uh, Justin Jolie that's coming into NC State, too. Uh, not pe- not many people are talking about him because of the other splashy names, Grayson McCall, Noah Rogers, Jordan Waters. But Justin Jolie was the number two tight end in the transfer portal, according to 24-7 Sports. Coming out of UConn, a guy that made over 50 catches this past season. Uh, I believe, you know, maybe two or three touchdowns, like not a ton of touchdowns, but a guy that comes in six foot three, uh, 232 pounds can be a good blocking tight end, but also is expected to play that. Uh, I believe uh, Robert and I calls it the flexi position uh, flex. Y. <laughs> uh, so uh, he can, he can move all around the field. He's expected to line up at outside receiver uh, inside at tight end and also be a, a blocker. They can put in the backfield even at times. Uh, so he's a big addition. Wesley Grimes, another big addition uh, coming over from Wake Forest. Not a ton of stats yeah. on him, but a guy that NC State really, really wanted another six foot two outside receiver. And that's not even talking about. I mean, I know you guys have, have probably seen Jonathan Paler, a guy that South Carolina really wanted yeah. this past offseason. They didn't get him. He comes to NC State four star top 150. Uh, he's listed as a running back, but he expects to play wide receiver. We've talked so much about him being compared mm-hmm. to Naheem Hines. But his comparison that he wants okay. to, to be known at is Tyreek Hill. Uh, so we'll see. Mm, you know, what, go what, ahead. Yeah, go I, ahead. I mean, he's shooting for the stars with that one. But uh, but then you know the other Absolutely. guy too, and Terrell Anderson, a guy that is a six foot three, uh, two hundred pound receiver that's coming in NC State. Uh, we heard so much about him at the the Army All American Bowl this past week uh, and what he was able to do. I think there there's just a ton of weapons. Uh, for this offense, the big thing is going to be how does this offensive line hold up? Does it continue the trajectory that it showed over the last five weeks? Eric, I think you know plenty about uh, the offensive line and you know what <laughs> how important those guys can be for for the overall team too. That's not right. just you know the sexy options on the outside, but uh, there's there's a lot going on with this team, and I think the transfer portal has a chance to change uh, the trajectory of this team for next season too. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. And, and I mean, you, you get a couple of really key guys from the portal. I mean, Zeke Carell coming in, uh, you know, guys that just can make an impact on that offensive line really quickly, 
you know, I believe in, in big guys. And, uh, you know, that, that's big people hurt little people, okay? So that's a good thing to have on the football field. Last thing, and we'll get you out of here, brother, is looking at the schedule. I know we don't have any dates yet for the ACC games, but it looks like week two, uh, I guess that's week two, unless you guys have a bye, uh, against the Volunteers in Charlotte. Man, what an opportunity that is to to just blow the season open. And you talk about expectations. You talk about excitement. Um, maybe we were two years early when we were so excited about what NC State could do and make a big postseason run. What do you like about the schedule? What do you think about it? And, you know, having Stanford come over, uh, some of these other teams, you know, the travel, you guys going to Cal. Um, you know, what, what were your overall thoughts when you see the teams that you guys are playing? Yeah, you know, the early ones, obviously, as you mentioned, Tennessee, that's a that's a big litmus test for both NC State and Tennessee. And NC State will face Western Carolina the week prior. Uh, at Carter Finley, so they get a chance to get, you know, kind of a soft opening, get, you know, get an idea of where each one of these guys fit into your offense, get an idea of what Grayson McCall looks like, you know, against a team. Again, this is, we know a lot about Grayson McCall, but how is he going to fit with this offense? How is he going to fit with all these new guys that are in the system? Uh, we know that, you know, for the big thing for, for NC State is bring all these guys in. How good is the defense, too? Because there's there's a couple transfers that are coming in for the defense that they they really like, so that that Tennessee game will be a great litmus test for this team as well. Uh, again, you know Louisiana Tech, NIU, uh, those will be tests, but obviously not you know big ones like the like the Tennessee game. When you look up and down the schedule, the reason why a lot of people feel really confident that NC State has a chance to not only compete for an ACC championship next year, but potentially try to get their way into the college football playoff. And I'm, I know this is right. boring for NC State fans. Like you shouldn't talk about these types of things, but there's a lot of talk about it this offseason because of the fact that when you look at the schedule, you go on the road to Cal, a team that we don't know who their quarterback is going to be at this point. Uh, you go on the road to Clemson, a team that has been obviously, you know, a juggernaut for years, but has not been that the past few years. Uh, for Dabo Sweeney. So it'll be interesting to see how that matchup, uh, where that one ends up landing on the schedule for both of these teams, because if right. it's an early season one, both teams still trying to figure things out. But if it's a late season one, it's like, all right, this could be for a chance to get to the college football playoff. This could be a, for a chance to, you know, potentially have a rematch in the ACC championship game if both these teams uh, sure. live up to their expectations with all the guys they have coming back. At Georgia Tech is going to be tough. Uh, the Duke game at home, while Duke has a new head coach, they're still bringing some guys back. And obviously, Manny Diaz will be looking at that game as a chance to make a splash in the state of North Carolina. Uh, and then, you know, the rest of them are going to be games that, that NC State feels like they should win. Stanford at home, Syracuse at home, uh, Wake Forest at home. Yes, I know Syracuse going through a lot of changes and, and bringing in plenty of guys. I know Kyle McCord, they feel really good about him. But this is a... a, a open opportunity for NC State to try to come out and, you know, not hit any speed bumps, not, not, you know, trip over their own feet. Yeah. And if they do that, you finish 11 and one, obviously the game at UNC is going to be going to be the one that's closing everything out, but you have a chance to really put yourself in great position to not only push for an ACC championship game, but try to get into that college football playoff when it expands to 12 teams next year. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, you got me excited, man. Eleven and one—is that what we're thinking going into that Carolina game? Is that kind of where you are? Or you just, you know, wh where are we at? I mean, again, this is—it all comes down to that game at Tennessee, a game against Tennessee. It's going to be yeah. in uh, in Charlotte. Uh, if NC State wins that game, that sets the tone for the remainder of the season. 
you find a way to take down Tennessee. I know they feel really good about Nico and, and where their quarterback situation is going into next year, but he'll still be a young guy going against an experienced offense. This is all an offense that still needs to come together, but it's not like you just brought in a bunch of young guys and you're just expecting them all to gel. Right. You brought in a Grayson McCall that's entering his sixth year. Justin Jolie has two years of eligibility remaining, but he's been a starter for years for UConn. You bring in you know, guys like a, a Wesley Grimes that's been chomping at the bit to be the guy, KC that's coming back that's already been the guy for NC State, uh, and then Jordan Waters yeah. at that running back position. You've got experience all over the field going against you know a team that still needs to prove itself in, in, in Tennessee uh, there at the, uh, the very beginning of September to kind of set the tone for your season. If you win that game, I mean, 11 and one doesn't seem like too, too much to ask, you know, unless you slip up at Georgia tech, you slip up at, at Clemson, obviously you lose one of those games. You could enter that game at the end of the season against UNC as a chance to, to go for double digit wins, if not go for 11 at that point. Come on. Well, let's do it, man. That's what I'm excited about. Let's make it happen. Uh, Corey, this was so much fun, brother. We appreciate your time. Appreciate your insight. And uh, we're going to have to have you on before the season uh, kicks off here, man. We're going to have to get you back on to talk about these Wolfpack. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys as always. Thanks again to Corey for joining us. Even on a day where he had a bunch of stuff going on, he was able to give us some time. And we are always so appreciative of these writers and all these different people that we have on and of their time. Very interesting stuff looking ahead for NC State, bringing in Grayson McCall, bringing in some really big names in the portal, maybe having one of the best off-seasons if you combine signing day and the portal of any ACC team so far, at least from what we've seen here on January 16th. So big things coming for NC State. Thanks again to Corey Smith for joining us. And remember, guys, go subscribe on YouTube. We're almost at 4,000. We are like this close So I'd really appreciate that if you could subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave some comments below. We've seen a lot of comments, people going back and forth. If you have any questions or just comments in general under the podcast, we would truly appreciate that. So thanks for tuning in. And next week, we're coming at you with two more ACC under review episodes. If you miss Louisville, if you miss Florida State, check them out. And as Max says, until next time, we'll see y'all.